This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 786, February 8, 2022. 50 degrees on this day on two occasions, 1991 and 2002, and it was 29 below in 1899. And now... From the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor. Joe Souchere. We now know that a 17-year-old has been charged with second-degree murder in connection with the January 10th shooting of a 38-year-old man in St. Paul. This was the underlying case behind the uh, no-knock warrant in pre-dawn Minneapolis police raid last week that killed 22-year-old Amir Locke. Ramsey County prosecutors filed a juvenile petition against uh, charging Mackie Speed, of Minneapolis with two counts of second degree murder and are seeking to certify him to be tried as an adult. Let me stop there because John Pills has been kind enough to join us. Sergeant John Pills, who are you there, John? I'm here, Joe. How are you? Good. We mentioned John yesterday. He was quoted in a Fox nine story uh, regarding the, uh, the behavior of the uh, SWAT team response that ended up in the death of uh, uh, Amir Locke. And uh, he's kind enough to join us today. You have 30 years police experience and 25 years SWAT experience. Do you continue to believe you saw uh, correct police action uh, on the video you've seen? Well, Joe, the the video is so limited what they've actually released. Um, But based on all my years of doing SWAT search warrants, and I've done hundreds because I've been on that team. I'm in my 26th year uh, being on the SWAT team. And we've done hundreds of no-knock warrants, and I can tell you that if someone's got a gun in their hand and don't drop it, um, you know, that's, that the officer has the right to defend themselves, and the general public doesn't seem to understand that. We have every right to defend ourselves if people don't follow the orders we give them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the misunderstanding that we're dealing with here. What about the nature of no-knock orders themselves? Do you think they should be abolished? Well, it's funny because uh, I did my research in Wichita, Kansas, because the chief of police down there I went to the FBI Academy with, uh, and he sent me an email telling me that Wichita does not allow uh, no-knock warrants anymore. Uh, it's, it's really, it comes down to, like I told Babs the other day from uh, Channel 9, I told him, I said, if we're going in on a homicide suspect, or a violent criminal who we know has weapons, we need to have that element of surprise. That's why we get the nighttime and the no-knock. So we can go in hopefully at 4 or 5 in the morning. That's when we typically do these. And they're asleep. And then we can get to them before they're awake enough to reach for any kind of weapon, and we can safely secure them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there is a need for this. Like I said to uh, Babs the other day, I said, what if I'm going in, we get a search warrant for three white supremacists, who just killed four people, let's say. 
mm-hmm. and they're, they're a white supremacist group. Do I want to knock on their front door when I know that they could have fully automatic weapons that they're going to start shooting at us? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense to me. There, are, there just are times when we need to do it. And the information on this case in Minneapolis was that it was for a homicide suspect. So this is for someone who is already accused of committing a murder. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the, the details because they haven't released what that murder was, but I, I would assume it has something to do with a weapon. So that, that heightens the sense of executing this search warrant. Uh, and there were times uh, that we would not, as a SWAT team, do a search warrant without a no-knock nighttime because it's not justified for a SWAT team. Does that make sense? Because the investigators can do it uh, if they're getting a search warrant for someone who they don't believe is going to be violent or anything like that. They only call our TAC team out when they have uh, information that they're violent or they have uh, violent tendencies or they have weapons. That's when they call a TAC team. John, help us clear this up. St. Paul uh, issued a, uh, a warrant, but the Minneapolis Police Department sent it back and said, no, we want a no-knock warrant. So did the Minneapolis Police Department fear more than the St. Paul Police Department might have feared? Not necessarily. That could be just an administrative decision where the St. Paul Police, and I don't know this, I'm just assuming that, that they don't allow the no-knocks or it didn't fit the criteria for the no-knock, whereas... Minneapolis, it did fit their criteria for the no-knock, and that's why they wanted the no-knock for the SWAT team to do the entry. That's what I would assume. Yeah, St. Paul has not issued a no-knock since 2016. Okay, well, then that makes sense. They don't don't write no-knock warrants in their city when they execute them, I guess. Right. What has been your specialty? You have uh, expanded your career, as I understand it. Well, I I went to uh, St. Mary's University and got a doctorate a couple years ago. Um, and really got into the research because this problem has been happening my whole career. When I started as a cop, it was Rodney King. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we've had all these instances over the last 30 years that I really felt that the next generation of police needed some way to, get, to better get along with different cultures in our society and for those cultures to understand what we do and why we do things and how we do things. So I did a research project on that down in Wichita, Kansas, and, and it's, it's really kind of ironic because in my research, I took 22 black citizens who, were not, had, who did not have any experience in law enforcement and had them run through six use-of-force scenarios using a laser shot system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave them a gun, a mace, and a taser. And six of those scenarios were deadly force was justified, and six were not deadly force justified. And all 22 of those citizens were killed at least one time in those scenarios because mm-hmm. they didn't pull the trigger or didn't think that it was a deadly force situation. So I, I have a lot of knowledge base on this topic, uh, when deadly force uh, is justified or not. And, and if we wait too long as a police officer, then it's us uh, that are going to be the one in harm's way. And we just don't train that way. We don't train to take a bullet before we re- return a bullet. That's not how we train. I think the activist. Community, you don't have to foghorn me. The activist community uh, already has their mind made up. Well, it's funny you say that, Joe, because ironically enough, I got an email from someone I don't even know, um, and it's a paragraph long, but it's basically telling me I'm an idiot for what I said the other day. Uh, and, and he starts his, his email out, maybe we need chaos, because it's doing your job considered killing African Americans with no probable cause, then chaos is already here, dumbass. So, and he goes on to basically say that we're killing people without probable cause. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, this is the kind of lack of openness that I'm trying to get through on. I want people to start having conversations and logical conversations, not just screaming at each other. I offered up to this gentleman to meet him for a cup of coffee. I haven't heard back from him. But I, I would like to sit down, even though his email is so out of context, until we start having those conversations, nothing's going to change. Well, we, we kicked this around a little bit yesterday. It's difficult to have conversation with one party with his mind made up. I agree with you, and that's why I published my research in a book, to hopefully some people will read it and they'll actually understand it where they can't have an argument with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could throw the book away or throw it down or rip it up or burn it, but essentially you, can't, you, you, you can see both sides of the argument because I, I took both sides in my research. I had, I had 20 white Wichita police officers experience what it's like to live African-American or, or experience the things that black people experience that white people just don't understand. Mm-hmm. So I did both sides of this topic. I want both sides to get along better because that equates to less people dying and get hurt. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share with us what department you're with or do you keep that to yourself? Well, I can't because I'd violate policy and then I would be standing tall tomorrow morning and I don't want to do that. <laughs> Let's not get him in trouble, Joe. <laughs> no, no. Hell, being on this show might get in trouble. I don't know. Well, no, it shouldn't because I didn't mention my agency, so I'm, I should be fine. No, you're good. Uh, what do you think will come of this? Do you think we're going to have the uh, another uh, series of trials for these officers? Are they going to be made an example of? I sure hope not, because if this one, uh, if Ellison prosecutes on this one, uh, unless they've got something else that I'm unaware of, uh, you're going to see a large amount of uh, police officers hang up their belts and their oh shirts God. and their uniforms. They're going to... They're not going to continue to do this. Let me ask any any uh, one with common sense: Would you want to put your life, your family's life, uh, in jeopardy if you make a decision based on the way you were trained and how you executed your job, and you ended up in prison? It doesn't make sense. It's not worth. We don't get paid enough money to take on that kind of risk reward. Well, what what you might discover thrown back at you is is that the training that is held in suspicion. I, I don't. I mean, we've adjusted training over the last 30 years um, to kind of change with the times. Uh, it, I don't know that uh, the training has been that dramatic of a shift in 30 years that I've been doing this mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. Uh, just off the top of my head, what do you think of the Kim Potter situation? Oh, you know, that, that, one, that one's hard. Um, and for a number of reasons, Joel. Um, you know, I worked in the Anoka Hanna, but I shouldn't say that, drug task force, but I did work in that drug task force years ago, uh, and Champlin was a part of that. Mm-hmm. And not only have I um, been in multiple areas in the, uh, the metro, based on seven years of drug work, um, I also was in Minneapolis at Ground Zero when that was rioting happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at the 5th Precinct. I was at Brooklyn Center when they, they surrounded that police department. Mm-hmm. So I've experienced all of these things firsthand. Uh, and that one is kind of, it's kind of different because when I went, I'm not afraid to go talk to people. So I was within the perimeter of Champlain PD, and there was a group of people on the northeast corner just yelling at us. And I walked up to that group, and I said, look, I'll talk to you people about this as long as nobody starts shouting. Mm -hmm. And I talked to them for about 10, 15 minutes uh, until one of them 
uh, yelled at me, so do you think this was an accident? I said, absolutely it was an accident. She had no intention of pulling her gun. She was saying taser. And the whole crowd erupted, started shouting at me. I said, that's it, and I walked away. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's because there, nobody wants to have conversations on this, and I absolutely believe Kim Potter's was an accident. There, you, that, in my mind, for sure was an accident. Well, it's just a shame uh, because it seems that uh, the state really wants to pursue this to its fullest extent, and they're, they're not cutting her any slack whatsoever for believing that it was an accident. I, I agree with you. I, I, 100%. I, I can't say that, that that was an intentional act. That woman had, I don't know, 25, 26 years of police experience, and uh, I don't think she had any discipline-type stuff. Uh, she was an ambassador to that city, and for whatever reason, she grabbed the wrong weapon mm-hmm. and didn't know it. Uh, back to Amir Locke, uh, the, presenting, the presenting factor that the uh, entering officers faced to make them determine they were in danger was Amir Locke's hand coming out from the sheets and pillowcases and whatnot holding the gun. Is that an accurate statement on my part? From what I saw of that short little clip, yes, that's okay. what I saw. And, and what is it that we might not know? Oh, geez, there's, you know, I just, I like to get all the facts out, you know, before I, I come to any kind of conclusion. I think we all should, because I think on both sides of this, that that little clip is, the narrative is one way in the black community and different in the law enforcement co- community. Um, and, and until we get all the facts, I don't think it's fair to jump on and say, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I just don't think that that's a fair way to analyze these kind of use of force incidences. We need to get all the facts in. What those facts are, I don't know. I was not there at that incident, uh, so I can't say firsthand. But there is going to be body cam video uh, of them outside the, the uh, apartment, mm-hmm. whether they announced before they made entry. Um, that will all be on there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we just don't know. Uh, and then the perspective of the officers. I mean, if that officer feels that he was being threatened by that gun, that's got to be articulated. And if that's articulated, then he's got every right to defend himself. John, uh, what is your short and long-term outlook on downtown Minneapolis? Oh, I'll tell you what, I don't go down there. I don't either. Uh, it, it's, you know, in society in general, though, it's getting so bad out there. I work the overnight shift, and on overnights, you would be shocked at how many people refuse to stop for the police now because most police departments will not pursue them. So we have pursuits starting and stopping all night long on all the statewide channels. This is statewide. Just the utter disrespect uh, for law enforcement, is it, I've never seen it like this. Um, you know, years ago, I never carried my gun off duty. Now I don't leave the house without it. Jeez. Um, it's, it's a different world out there, and I don't think the everyday citizen sees it because they're not up all night long, or they don't experience what I've experienced in the last 30 years. Kenny Olson would like to have a I question can... for you. We're speaking with John Pills, uh, an officer going on his 26th year now. Well, John, I can actually... Joel. Pardon? I'm in my 31st of regular... Oh, I'm sorry, 31st year. Yep. John, I can confirm what you just said about chases. I just watched a, a state patrol chase last week where they had the guy pulled over, uh, two guys pulled over in one car, uh, eastbound 94 at gunpoint, and these guys drove off at gunpoint. 
Yeah. Uh, and so then a chase ensued, and of course they got him, you know, uh, 30 minutes later. But my question for you is, um, instead of these no-knock warrants, could you describe the scenario, or how how would a knock warrant go? Okay. Um, because we're all speculating on what that's like, and none of us really know. Um, just yep. paint a so, scene for us. Okay, so if I'm going to go on a regular search warrant, which is not going to announce, I'm going to knock on that door and give it five to ten seconds of yelling from the outside, uh, please search warrant, please search warrant, over and over and over. And usually we do that for about five to ten seconds, usually maybe up to ten seconds. We give them a chance to come answer the door. We're only going to do that. So they do come answer the door, and we don't have to ram it, uh, at which point we do go in and detain everybody and conduct the search. But typically we're just looking for evidence. Uh, we're not looking for people on a, uh, a, a warrant like that, um, unless the department has changed. And like you said, St. Paul is no longer doing no-knocks. So um, they have to do it differently, but typically we'll, we'll knock and announce for five to ten seconds who we are, and we have a search warrant. Then if nobody answers after that, we'll ram the door, we'll go in and secure everything. Um, in, in your yeah. career, have you gotten it wrong and have had to back out and apologize? Yep. Yep. Yeah, we, well, we have. We've, we've, uh, we've made mistakes and, you know, hit the wrong apartment or hit the wrong townhouse. We, we, we've done that. I mean, we've owned that. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's human error or bad uh, information. The other way that they're doing the warrants now is they're waiting for the suspects to get in their car, and then they'll pull them over on a traffic stop. Once they've got them secure, they'll go back and do the warrant on the house. The problem with that is if that suspect decides to flee, you no longer are going to be chasing him. So he just goes away, and you don't know if he's coming back to where the search warrant is being executed or if he took the evidence with him. So, uh, you know, it works both ways. So it seems to me in the case of a knock and announce warrant, uh, and if it's a dangerous felon, you're pretty much inviting uh, your own death because wouldn't you presume they're going to answer the door or your knock and announce with gunfire? Well, it's, it's certainly a possibility. Uh, I can't say that they're going to do that for sure, but the lack of respect for law enforcement and the fear uh, that the cops are going to shoot back is not like it used to be, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, people are more willing to shoot at the cops than ever before. There's just not a fear that they're, a lot's going to happen to them, you know. Sure. How many more years are you going to stay out there? Well, I've been looking for another job for since I graduated from college. Uh, <laughs> part, part of the problem with, with my, I wanted to go into teaching law enforcement at the college level, but part of the problem is, is there aren't a lot of professor jobs because there's not a lot of people going to school for it anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of turnover in that or the need for more professors. Uh, and you can just go to the, the uh, college system and see the lack of people going into my field. When I applied for my job back in 1991, uh, I was one of like four or 500 applicants. Now we're begging to get a dozen applicants. What is your long-term concern for police departments in the United States? That this trend continues. The, the uh, hatred toward the police continues, uh, the lack of respect. Uh, it's an honor to wear that badge and that, that uniform. Uh, and there are some bad cops. I will never deny there's bad cops out there that are wearing that uniform that shouldn't be wearing that uniform. But most of the time, we can figure out who they are and get them off the force. Mm -hmm. uh, but I really feel that uh, going forward, we 
we have to build a relationship so people want to become police officers, again, for the right reasons. So, John, you, you lead me to something I wanted to ask you. Um, I have a good friend that just stepped away from the force uh, and because he just he's in that same boat. He was just tired of, tired of the nonsense. How, what percentage of police officers do you think are in that same position? All of them. To walk away? Yeah. Mm, I'll tell you what. Uh, a lot of my guys uh, are going to school or working on second careers that can translate into a different profession altogether. I've had multiple guys tell me that uh, they're going to go back to college and look for something like financing or accounting uh, in case this continues this trend. They're going to get out of it, and it's sad. because It's, it's terrifying, too. It's not just sad. It's terrifying. Yeah, it, it's a calling. Good cops are called into this profession. They just are. I don't doubt that for a moment. So if we lose that, if we lose that draw, we're all in trouble. Well, we uh, wish you uh, the best of luck. We thank you, and uh, if, if it's okay with you, I'd certainly like to, for us to talk again in the future. Absolutely. You've got my numbers. Just, yep. uh, I do work the overnight, so leave me a message if I don't answer, because uh, I do sleep during the day most days. What's the name of your book? Uh, Finding Shared Understanding Between African Americans and the Police Through Simulated Experiences. Is it available on Amazon, for example? Yeah, it is on, on Amazon. All right. And it's John Pills, P-I-L-Z. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You have a great day. All right, thanks, John. Thank you. Bye. Well, well, that was harrowing. Wonderful news source to have on the Garage Logic team. Well, not, when he said that, it reminded me. Like I, I told you guys off the air, I don't think I mentioned it on the air, but he's a GLer. He yeah. he stepped away. He turned in his badge and said, "Sorry." Well, yesterday I asked the uh, Gumption County Sheriff, knowing he would be listening, hoping that he would be listening, to also explain to us no knock, and mm-hmm. and he has come through. And uh, let me find it. While you're looking, what he said, one of you two asked him what's going to happen to the force if um, Ellison decides to go after this officer. His answer was chilling right to the bone. I agree completely. Mm -hmm. Right to the bone. The Gumption County deputy weighs in and said, Joe, I'm responding to your question about no-knock warrants. Kenny actually did a good job with his explanation. No-knock warrants are obtained for serious crimes, gangs, guns, drugs, and murder. They allow for dynamic entry into a person's residence to preserve evidence and maintain the safety of the officers involved. No-knocks are extremely valuable in catching the bad guys off guard because they are often served in the early morning hours when we know they are sleeping. Exactly what John Pills told us. Mm -hmm. The problem with taking no-knock warrants away is a knock warrant gives criminals time to destroy evidence while the police are standing outside announcing their presence. The worst-case scenario is that the person who is willing to do anything to prevent the cops from arresting him. No good can come from giving a bad guy time to arm himself and hunker down in preparation for the cops eventually coming in. That is the door you hope you never have to go through. In the majority of cases, no-knock warrants are safe for those inside the residence because the entries happen so fast, everyone is in custody before they even know what is going on. It is tragic that Mr. Locke was sleeping with his gun and had it so readily accessible. I wish we knew what he was thinking when he rose up with the gun in his hand. As I said yesterday, no one on the Minneapolis SWAT team went to work that day wanting to shoot anyone. Hopefully this answers your question. Signed, the Gumption County Deputy. Well, we have, there you have two corroborations from utter professionals about what's taking place there. And it's just unfortunate that... Uh, in the activist community, you can fall. Now you're going to get it. You've yeah. said that twice. In the activist community, 
the minds are already made up that this was just malfeasance on the part of police, and it certainly doesn't sound like it was. But don't the, I know we're preaching to the choir by bringing this up, but do, does the average Minneapolis resident realize what's what's happening and what will continue to happen? No. If 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 the elected people in positions of power continue to go after the police department, mm-hmm. downtown is already not safe to bring your family to a Twins game or to go to a restaurant. I actually wanted to ask John, and I should have jumped in, what he thinks the demonization, of how that's happening, how police is happening and who's doing it, but I didn't want him to have to delve into politics, which right. I thought he might yeah. not want to right. well, want to do, because well. obviously that's you know a huge part of it. Because yeah, I, I heard I, the same I, thing yeah. in St. Paul, by the way, with uh, the number of applicants, where it used to be in the hundreds, if not thousands, mm-hmm. and now they're they're begging people to come out. That that That's not the police force you want, ladies and gentlemen. Just saw a tweet this morning, Chris. From St. Paul? Paul? Yeah. Yep. What did it say? We're hiring. Oh, No oh. experience necessary. It's like driving a school bus. <laughs> yeah. What I like are, are the school bus signs that say, hiring mechanics, no experience necessary. No. I, I kind of want to experience mechanics. We're going to put this oil in the gas tank. Right. Why don't we take a short time out? Okay, I think that's yeah. a good idea. It's Reavers here for Josh Arnold. Mr. Money Talk is what he's called around these parts. Josh has been an investment consultant since 1978. This extensive career has given him the experience needed to manage your money in both up and down markets. Josh provides independent, personalized investment planning to individuals and small businesses, including retirement plans. Josh has been doing this for quite some time, and the thing that separates him from the rest is he will always give you straight talk and never sugarcoated advice. When you invest for yourself or for your small business with Josh, you get the same straight talk that you would expect from Mr. Money Talk. You also get an investment consultant who will work proactively with you to create a strategy that fits your goals. You can also hear him at the end of Garage Logic every Tuesday and Thursday with a full report. Give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation at 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. Or for more information, just visit his website, josharnoldinvestmentconsultant.com. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Suchere. I want to live with a cinnamon girl. That's what it sounded like. I the rest of my life with I mentioned that to the uh, artist of this bump, and, and he said, oh, maybe a little. Uh, the website is aimhighconstructionmn.com, and it is the perfect time right now today to get the ball rolling with Chris and his crews for your spring and summer projects. In addition to doing uh, residential and commercial work, Aim High, believe it or not, has also done work for both the state and federal governments, which I kind of think is awesome uh, because AimHighConstructionMN.com is a veteran-owned company. Chris served in the Air Force during the first Gulf War, and it's come full circle. The reason you want to book for spring and summer work now is because, in in addition to being, of course, very busy, Aim High uses quality materials, and the good stuff is in high demand. They don't want to put crap in your place. Uh, so if you've been dreaming about upgrades around the place, bathroom, kitchen, basement, siding, working, uh, roofing, deck, whatever, indoor, outdoors, get a hold of Chris right now. Get the bid ball rolling. The work is guaranteed. The craftsmanship of the highest quality and I can personally attest to that with all the work they did for my place in Minneapolis. Again, aimhighconstructionmn.com. 
let's uh, return and maybe try to wrap up today's Amir Locke episode. A teen is arrested and charged in a St. Paul homicide. The case, I'm reading from the St. Paul Pioneer Press. The case that prompted police to execute search warrants last week during which a Minneapolis police officer fatally shot Amir Locke. Mackie Camden Speed of Minneapolis was a cousin of Locke's, according to secondary murder charges filed against Speed. Police said Tuesday they took Speed into custody in the January 10 fatal shooting of a guy named Otis Elder, 38 years old. Elder was found lying in the street in the 500 block of North Pryor Avenue between University Avenue and Interstate 94 in St. Paul. The charges allege Elder was shot during a robbery or attempted robbery. Amir Locke, 22, was not named in the search warrants, according to interim Minneapolis Chief Amelia Huffman. Speed lived in Bolero Flats, the apartment building in downtown Minneapolis where police carried out the search warrant last week. Police had probable cause pick up and holds to arrest Speed and two of his associates for the murder and aiding an offender after the fact, according to the juvenile petition against Speed. The search warrants that the police obtained were for three apartments in Bolero Flats. One was the unit where Speed resided with his mother, and another was for an apartment where a friend of Speed's was associated. The three were not there during the searches. Another warrant was for Speed's brother's girlfriend's apartment, where the charges said Speed also stayed. Speed's brother, his girlfriend, and Locke were present during the search. So in other words, the apartment they bro- uh, went into where they where Locke died, uh, also in that apartment, was uh, Speed's brother and Speed's girlfriend. Is that, am I reading that correctly? I, I can't tell. I, I can't confirm. That's what I'm. I... That's what I'm concluding. Uh, another search warrant was for Speed's brother's girlfriend's apartment, where the charges said Speed also stayed. Speed's brother, his girlfriend, and Locke were present during the search. St. Paul police sought a knock and announce warrant for an apartment in Minneapolis, but Minneapolis police said they would not carry out the warrant unless it was no knock. Law enforcement agencies said. Okay. Minneapolis police said Locke pointed a loaded gun in the direction of officers when they used a key to enter the apartment in Bolero Flats last Wednesday. Locke's parents said Friday that the Minneapolis SWAT team had woken him. They said he was law-abiding with no criminal record and had a permit to carry a gun. On Monday, Speed was arrested in Winona by members of the Southwest Metro Task Force, Ramsey County Violent Crime Enforcement Team, and St. Paul Police Special Investigations Unit. He's been booked into Ramsey County Juvenile Detention Center. Uh, The juvenile petition against Speed details the allegations against him. Elder was found in January, shot near a Chevrolet Tahoe. The driver's side door was open and there was loose cash and suspected marijuana in the front of the vehicle. There was a large amount of blood on the driver's seat, driver's door, and armrest, along with a spent shell casing on the ground near the driver's door. Someone who was talking to Elder on the phone when he was shot told police that it sounded as if Elder was conducting a drug transaction and that someone was sitting in the front seat of Elder's car, the court petition said. The witness heard what sounded like a struggle. The witness heard a male state, if you don't give it up, pop the blank. The phone call then abruptly ended. Another person reported seeing a male standing outside Elder's vehicle driver's side door holding a gun and said it appeared he shot Elder while another male was in the front passenger seat. The person saw a Mercedes-Benz speeding away. Investigators suspected the Mercedes-Benz, which was stolen in November. 
was used in previous crimes. It was linked to December 6 and December 28 armed robberies, an attempted armed robbery on December 28, a gun report on December 28, a police pursuit on December 28, Jesus. and a theft on January 4. Wow. After Elder's January 10 shooting, a Minneapolis officer saw the vehicle on January 21 in a downtown parking ramp near Bolero Flats. St. Paul Police investigators recovered the vehicle. Can I learn any more from the Star Tribune's coverage? You know, one of the... How do I say this? Carefully. One of the obstacles the police face in many of these cases is is sorting out all the different oh, right. players, yeah. all their cousins and relatives and brothers. And, and he lives where? Yeah, it's it's a, it's layered, be, it's, Joe. It's a gargantuan task they face. Mm-hmm. Speed and Locke are cousins, okay. Which, uh, according to the do- charging document, this is now we're going to the Star Tribune. Can I ask a quick question before you continue? Mm-hmm. You said that there were three people named in that particular search warrant, correct? Or three accomplices in mm-hmm. addition to mm-hmm. Speed? Mm-hmm. Was Locke one of those? No. Okay. No. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, Speed and Locke are cousins, according to the charging document, which also revealed that Speed was living in a different unit of Bolero Flats apartment homes in downtown Minneapolis, but had access to the apartment where police barged in on February 2 and shot Locke as he held a gun. All right. And then it goes on to say what they wanted Speed for. Speed was wanted for the uh, murder murder of Elder. Uh, Locke was not a target of the investigation, was sleeping at the apartment of a relative. Would the relative be Speed, who's his cousin? Yes, I sure. would guess, don't you All think? Right. Uh, I can't. I, I think we could only be confused if I read more. Yeah. Along with prosecutors detailing their case in connection with Elder's death, they also spelled out in the charging document the circumstances of the raid that ended with Locke's death. In the seventh floor apartment where Locke was shot were Speed's brother and the brother's girlfriend. Okay, so there were three people in the apartment. Mm-hmm. And obviously the girlfriend and the bro- Speed's brother did not get injured. Officers seized a jacket that police believe Speed was wearing on the night Elder was shot. The gun belonging to Locke and marijuana in the search of a second apartment, this one on the 14th floor, where Speed lived with his mother, officer seized a hat that police suspect Speed was wearing when he shot Elder, and other items associated with two people believed to be with Speed. The search of the third apartment, also on the 14th floor and associated with a friend of Speed's, turned up a large amount of marijuana. Uh, okay. Officers from the Southwest Metro Task Force, the Ramsey County Violent Crime Enforcement Team, and the St. Paul Special Investigations Unit eventually tracked the teenage suspect to Winona, where he was arrested 3.45 p.m. Monday. Okay. Uh, Speed did not appear to know Otis before that fatal encounter. A police spokesman declined to comment on that, citing an active investigation. All right. All of which we're reading and all of which we're hearing from officers, whether on the phone or by email, all we're discerning from reports as uh, uh, exactly what the likes of Nakima uh, Levy-Armstrong will not take into consideration. The uh, activist groups who are intending to completely upend the criminal justice system are, are seemingly unwilling 
to take into account the dynamics of all these variables that come into play. And I guess the only answer that would appease them is, and, and this is unfortunately what I think we're headed for, uh, at least in Minneapolis, is another round of completely eliminating the police department. Oh, God. You know, because of the election, Fry now has more authority over the police. And we would have anticipated he might have acted with wisdom, very little evidence for that, but he might have acted with wisdom and supported the police and came down on the side of a chief. And, uh, and, and I think what he's going to face now is extraordinary pressure for another round of defunding and ultimately elimination of the police. That's what I predict for Minneapolis. Because no one is willing to take into account the, just the ordinary nuts and bolts of police life, which are extraordinarily complicated and dangerous. Was the cop supposed to go in that apartment and just get shot? No, he wasn't supposed to go in the apartment and get shot. Well, that's why I asked. They probably would have, um, well, I shouldn't say. I would guess that they might have chosen a different tactic. Instead of a knock-and-announce warrant, they would have done something else. This wasn't a knock-and-announce. This was a no-knock. Oh, Joe, listen to me. If, in fact, they didn't use no-knocks and they had to get this guy, I would doubt that they would use a knock-and-announce. And Mm -hmm. And I I wanted to ask you, is there any way to track? Are there statistics? We, We discovered that... St. Paul no longer does uh, no-knocks. And when did that start? They haven't done one since 2016. So can we go back and look? Are there statistics that show that no-knocks, dropping no-knocks, has resulted in a rise in crime? I'm I'm sure those could be discovered. Because the first thing I'm thinking, if you don't do no knocks, that means the bad guys are going to be out and running around and doing crime a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm thinking no-knocks are going to stop that individual from doing any further crimes, mm-hmm. you know, right then and there. Mm-hmm. I want. I just wonder if there's numbers out there. I, I, I would imagine there are, and I, I, I pine for the days of better and healthier newspapers. I, I pine for the day of well, what newspaper- staffs of 300 people instead of 30. But what newspaper is healthier right now than the Star Tribune? I would like to learn more about the uh, young man that got shot. Why was he there? Why did he feel the need to arm himself? Was he in fear for his life from uh, from his cousin or from opposing gang people? Just why... Did he keep that thing under the covers with him or, or right yeah, next to him like we, that? We, we probably will never know that. No. I, I have an obligation to clear up my Johns Hopkins. Wait, before you move on, did you say in that long, confusing piece you read that uh, the victim had a firearm um, elsewhere in one of those three apartments that was registered to I him? I did not read that. Okay. That's All not right. ringing a bell. Thank you. Scott Jensen writes, I don't think it's bucket scan or scan bucket material, but for the love of all that's holy, it's Johns Hopkins, <laughs> not John Hopkins. Come on, Clem. I endured it on Thursday, but after about 20 mispronunciations today, <laughs> I felt obligated to pull over on my drive home and send this email. Other than that, great show. Pushing back in Illinois, Scott Jensen. All right. And this one says, 
It's incredible that you and apparently everyone else on your podcast seems to be unaware of the fact that the university in Baltimore, whose study you have cited recently, whose statistical meta-analysis indicates that lockdowns are not an effective response to pandemics, is named Johns Hopkins University. Johns, plural. That's not just the Denny Green way of saying it. That's the actual name. The late Denny Green probably would have referred to it as Johns Hopkins. <laughs> Wait, Denny Green, I thought it was Clem. Did Denny do that too? Oh, I'm sorry, Clem. I think yeah. this guy meant Clem. Okay. Uh, Mark Twain once wrote, I was told the Johns Hopkins University had given me a degree. I naturally supposed this constituted me a member of the faculty. And so I started in to help what I could there. I told them what they needed was a little help here and there from a practical commercial man. I said the public is sensitive to little things, and they wouldn't have a full confidence in a college that didn't know how to spell John. <laughs> but here's, here's what uh, both uh, uh, Mr. Height wanted me to know and what emailer Greg Quaddy wanted me to know. Gang, love the show as always. While listening today, the alleged Johns Hopkins University study about COVID-19 lockdowns came up, and the crew on the show were left wondering why are the mainstream media ignoring this study? Clearly, it goes against their preconceived notions that they don't like it. Not quite, for reasons I shall try to explain. First off, it is important to note that this study was not commissioned by the university. The section in the paper itself notes that the views expressed in each working paper are those of the authors and not necessarily those of the institutions that the authors are affiliated with. As an article on the Forbes website states, it is more accurate to say the paper was written by someone who happened to be affiliated Second, none of the three principal authors are experts in the more applicable, field, applicable fields of virology, epidemiology, or infectious diseases. Instead, Stephen Hankey, Jonas Herbie, and Lars Jonan are all economists. This, in my view, accounts for most of the statistics in the paper having, uh, having to do with that field. Herbie and Jonan aren't even related with the University of Johns Hopkins in any way. The paper is also described by the authors themselves as a working paper and not a study. True scientific studies are often peer-reviewed, and this one isn't. Anyone can write and publish a working paper, including myself or anyone on the show. The American Journal of Managed Care has an article with a reaction to the claims and rightfully points out several flaws within. The officers describe a lockdown as any single non-pharmaceutical intervention. According to that terminology, something as simple as wearing a mask can be considered a lockdown. There are many other reasons that this so-called study isn't really one and that the articles posted below will indicate why. As you can probably see, neither is from some fringe blog or miscellaneous outlet. They provide facts and evidence across a multitude of fields, which the three re researchers simply didn't do. He, he linked me to a Forbes magazine article and an American Journal of uh, Medicine article. Right. The Forbes article is very informative. Uh, and that's can, where I got Can you give us a synopsis? Uh, you, basically, what he just said, it's a yeah. working paper. It's not a study. Uh, Johns Hopkins has nothing to do with it, except that one of the guys works there. Uh, and it's not affiliated with Johns Hopkins whatsoever. Uh, they, they're all economists. No epidermal uh, scientists or m medical people worked on it. And the ones that have seen it basically are disowning it immediately. Uh, a couple of them said the three guys came to them, had their conclusion before they ever started writing it, and asked them to make the numbers fit their conclusion. Which well, we they, of we, course, we, we certainly do. we certainly then did learn a lot more about news gathering, didn't we? Because in every reference to this, 
it was referred to as a Johns Hopkins study. And and it's and it's not. And right. I'll but tell but you what, are you agreeing with me? Every reference referred to it as a Johns Hopkins study that I, I agree. saw. Yeah, I I agree. And the references I found were all <laughs> Fox News. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Nobody else covered it because it's a working paper, not a study, mm-hmm. and and they don't cover working papers. I was disheartened when I saw the Fox News story because John Roberts, who's a journalist there who I have a great deal of respect for, is the one who introduced the story. Mm-hmm. And he's always been a good journalist, mm-hmm. even though, you know, Fox doesn't use... I, I have the button ready. ...anchor their shows. Can I be the dummy? W- yeah. What's the difference between a working paper and a study? A working uh, paper is not yet peer-reviewed. Okay. In other words, you, you haven't okay. thrown it out to your masses yet to see if they buy it. Okay. It's, all, it's also not research the same. For instance, these guys said they looked at 15,000 different studies and picked 34 to do their working paper. Was anyone disputing their claim that the lockdowns resulted in only a reduction of 0.2% mortality? Is that being challenged? Yeah, read the articles there. Yes, the medical people are saying, you know, no, not even close. So, yes, it's being Well, then how in the hell did this get out in the news? Because it was Fox? Yeah, well, go ahead and say it. I don't care. Well, yes, that's, yes. Well, fool me once. That news comes to you from how, John's height. How did John's it end heights. up in your height, uh, hands, Joe? How, how did I read you... it the other day on, online. I read it. I go through uh, one He's of He's seen it. I, I go through a it, lot of websites. I'll it, even look at CNN every day just to see what I might yeah, be missing. And to defend Joe, I read the Fox story. Here's my problem. When you first read the story, I thought, well, that seems too good to be true. And then when I didn't hear about it anywhere else this weekend, I started doing some research. Mm-hmm. Then yesterday I ran across the Forbes story and went, woof. And then I heard you guys' podcast yesterday and went, oh, I better let the fellas know uh, know about this. So, You know the message there? Don't read. <laughs> no more group test, uh, text messages after 8 o'clock, okay? I, only, I didn't guys. even participate. No, but John did. Don't put me on those. I, I go to bed at like 730, yeah. so please don't include That's me. That's why I answered for you that Kenny had left the conversation. Please, yeah. please don't. Why, do why don't we come back with John Heights? John's Heights. Height. I, uh, I, I, height. I might have to run outside here for just a minute. I see my, my guy is right Oh, up the well, then let's come back like... with me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, our favorite football team might not be in the playoffs this year, but we are going to have plenty of options to view the other football teams that did make the playoffs. It's as simple as that. Life is all about having possible options. And that's why we have the Canopy Group. So why do you continue to have your home and auto insurance with just one single agent that is represented by only one single company? It's just like watching two football teams play each other every single week for 17 straight weeks. No thank you. It just doesn't make any sense, does it? By now, you know the Canopy Group provides you with 16 different insurance companies and over 40 insurance professionals, all with just one simple goal in mind, providing you with the best insurance coverage at the best possible price each and every single year. So call the Canopy Group today at 1-800-967-3389. That's 1-800-967-3389. Or just go online and visit thecanopygroup.com. Tuesday's gone. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. And I don't know, oh, where I'm going. I just want to be left alone. 
If you want to be left alone, if you like Minnesota summer days, working independent, on your own, flexible in hour, uh, hours, full benefits, uh, paid vacations, paid holidays, 401k, and a boss that doesn't say, let's bleep and go here, I got a golf today, <laughs> you're going to love ProTurf. ProTurf is uh, one of the best companies in town, yeah, um, lawn app uh, company, and they're looking for people to throw down some chems this summer if you have a strong interest in working outdoors. Um, you know what? Even if you've just worked on a golf course or construction, if you can get it done and you're confident in your abilities, you will get along great at ProTurf. Uh, they also pay production bonuses. That means if you're really on your game, you're going to get a, a bonus every couple of weeks. Speaking of bonus... How about a hiring bonus? If you have the qualifications, you could be eligible for a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars uh, as a uh, hiring bonus. And I'm telling you, Procher, if I've been with these guys for well, it's been about a hundred years now, uh, and they're a wonderful company owned by a wonderful guy. And this isn't just a summer job; it's year round. Go to professionalturf.com, click on employment, or go to indeed.com or Pick up the phone. Get off your ass and jam. 952-469-8680 or professionalturf.com. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Uh, story, obviously, we've talked about, but let's reiterate everything here. Police have confirmed a St. Paul homicide suspect who was connected to the search warrant that was served in Minneapolis last week and ended with a fatal shooting has now been arrested. The suspect's name has not officially been released, but he is 17-year-old Mekie Speed. He's now in custody after he was found in Winona. Prosecutors say they will file a petition to have Speed stand trial as an adult. He's booked on suspicion of murder in connection to the death of 38-year-old Otis Elder, who was shot near Prior Avenue North and Oakley Avenue on January 10th. Uh, Speed and his associates, who were who law enforcement were searching for when they executed a search warrant last Wednesday morning, fatally shot 22-year-old Amir Locke. Police later revealed Locke's not named in the search warrant. The petition says Locke was Speed's cousin. Uh, meanwhile, Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry tried to clear up the confusion about what he has previously described as a ban on no-knock warrants less than a week after that shooting. He now admits there never was such a ban. He told the Minneapolis Policy and Government Oversight Committee, I own that. Back in November 2020, Fry enacted a ban on unannounced entries that required officers to announce their presence during a search warrant. Uh, on Monday, Fry blamed language that, quote, became more casual at times, leading to statements that were on his campaign website that listed a ban on no-knock warrants as a top achievement. He said, I believe my language and what we are saying honored the spirit of the policy change, but there were instances where it did not. How much gobbledygook do we have in wow. all that? There? There's a lot to unpack wow. there, isn't there? Oh, the language became casual. All right. Isn't yeah. this just a giant case of CYA by everybody? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, by the time you hear this, Hennepin County Board of Commissioners will have held a meeting to talk about how they'll proceed with legal strategies regarding the county's current sheriff and library director. Uh, sheriff David Hutchinson has been facing calls for his resignation following his DWI crash in early December. And remember Chad Helton, we talked about him, the Hennepin County library director. Mm -hmm. he's, facing, he's facing criticism for deciding to work remotely from home in Los Angeles. Yeah, in L.A. Yeah, what a fraud. Well, let's just wait. Let's let them get through the Super Bowl, this and then we'll, then we'll do something about it's it. It's just amazing how we're being taken to the cleaners by these people. Well, the, the, the town is, is run by punks, mm -hmm. juveniles, mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. 
A policy that went into effect on January 31st says county supervisors whose workers interact directly with the public have to live in Minnesota. How can you have any integrity in yourself? How, how do you? None of them do. <laughs> how do you get get away with that personally? How do you look in the mirror and say, "God, am I getting away with murder here?" You know Those what? Those poor saps mi- that I represent are freezing their asses off, and I'm living in L.A. What a we bunch are, of BS. We are missing, and if you go to social media, we're missing shame in America. There, nobody oh, you has ain't any kidding. Shame You're right, Johnny. You ain't kidding. Kenny, what um, was your analogy about Fry earlier That when we weren't recording the show? I thought that was hilarious. Well, I'm not uh, sure if it was when we weren't recording. It I'm wasn't. Sure nothing he could say. No. <laughs> the analogy that you made with Fry. Oh, a pilot. And with yeah. Rookie. Yeah. You go ahead. One of you uh, go ahead. Oh, fine. If you don't want to play, f- if you take play credit nice. for it the way you well, do. Well, the city yeah, of Minneapolis is like a jet <laughs> on approach where the pilots keel over in the cockpit and Fry runs up and tries to land it. Yeah, something like that. Boy, that was a Roycey attempt at telling a joke. Is what that was. It really was. Yeah, close. But paint was red sometimes, (laughs) and then blue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I missed. Pioneer Press reporting. Uh, Who? Let's see. No, who here lives in St. Paul? I do. Oh yeah, that's that's you. Uh, St. Paul voters soon will be asked to support a series of property tax increases to cover two years of preschool for children from low-income families. No, they're going to be okay. A coalition called Spark, St. Paul Already for Kindergarten, <laughs> is finalizing <laughs> finalizing the language on a petition to put the question on city ballots this November. Spark. If, if it passes, St. Paul would become the first city in Minnesota to publicly fund preschool and child care for three- and four-year-olds. Council member Rebecca Noker said there are enough supporters on the city council to directly put an initiative on the ballot, but she'd rather do it by petition. Later this month, organizers plan to begin circulating petitions in hopes of picking up about 12,000 signatures, 20% of the ballots cast in the last mayoral election. Noker said the current plan is to gradually grow the program from one that gets $26 million a year through 10 consecutive years of small tax increases. What? For instance, well, for instance, in year one, the program would only spend $2.6 million. That would cost the average homeowner about 20 bucks. But by year 10, it would spend $26 million and cost the same homeowner $200 oh, more. Oh, hell, I'll be dead. Taxes. Are, you, are you kidding me? Does that mean there won't be a podcast anymore? Not 10 years from now. <laughs> How soon After, can we count on that happening? 10 years. <laughs> After 10 years, residents would then get to vote again on whether or not they'd renew the $26 million a year program. Oh, my God. I don't even live in St. Paul, and I'm outraged. <laughs> in, increasingly, Such, I, I find myself just tuning out the daily chaff of life, the yeah. nonsense and the yeah. BS, and just it's like turning down the dial on the nonsense and turning up the dial on Tuesday's gone <laughs> with the wind. If I leave here tomorrow, because it's just so unbearable, the nonsense. And it's endless. It's just, it, it's like the Mississippi. She never stops. Yep. <laughs> the Twin Cities Metro could get a new concert venue big enough to hold 19,000 people if Canterbury Park succeeds in selling land near the Shakopee Racetrack for redevelopment as an amphitheater. Hmm. Canterbury officials say they want to sell 40 acres of land northeast of the racetrack to Swervo Development Corp. The developer behind the reborn Minneapolis Armory and recent plans for a revamped Uptown Theater. Uh, Swervo would own the venue, but Sampson, that would be Randy Sampson, the CEO at 
at Canterbury said he's not sure who will operate it. So far, Canterbury has signed a purchase agreement with Swervo, and the project is in the midst of an environmental review process. Sampson declined to discuss the price of the sale. Johnny, what did you say northeast of where the Canterbury Park is? Uh, I said... Near the Shakopee racetrack. For, I didn't say northeast. Or oh, I thought you did. I'm John, sorry. John, spell just that. out there somewhere. Spell out that uh, company name. Swervo? Spell it for me. S-W-E-R-V-O. Swervo? As it sounds. Do we know anybody behind that company? I don't. Okay. But they, they, uh, I don't know if you've been to the Armory yet, but from what I hear, it's a pretty nice It's a nice great venue. venue. No, it's it's yeah. really cool. Too bad the city, uh, trying to get in and out of there is a bit problematic, <laughs> but no, the venue itself is fantastic. The reason I asked, John, is because pretty much everything around Canterbury is already developed. That's what I was, that's why I was curious. Well, where did they, where do they have concerts now? There's an area out there they have concerts. Well, I, I attended one last summer, and what they do, this was a smaller one, they bring a stage and basically put it right up against where the, the dirt track would be for, for horse racing. Oh, inside, okay. Correct, yeah. and so then they just use their own grandstand uh, to be able to watch the show. They are the parent organization of Subsidies Marquette Partners and 510 Marquette Property, Inc., Uh, But still no names yet. I will dig into it. COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations are declining in Minnesota on the downside of the Omicron pandemic wave while daily deaths have plateaued. The 1,239 COVID-19 hospitalizations on Friday were a 24% decrease from January 19th and eased pressure on the state's medical bed capacity. Hospitalizations declined to 7,727 on Friday. The uh, news is good news for beleaguered hospitals, which have fewer staff than at the start of the pandemic because of burnout and other factors, According to state health officials. By the way, Joe, the uh, the show I attended at Canterbury last summer mm-hmm. was in vogue. What was wow. it, what was in vogue? The the group. Oh, the group. Oh, yeah. vogue. You're never gonna get it. Was Salt and Pepper there? No. We uh, we might be getting rid of the mask mandates for. Uh, I mean, the uh, vaccine mandates for restaurants. Hmm. St. Paul, Minneapolis, yeah. both? both. Yeah, both. because uh, COVID. Uh, uh, the Omicron surge is continuing to decline and uh, it would help these restaurants to get rid of this BS. Just in time to start paying for daycare. Mm-hmm. You okay, Joe? Pro- no, <laughs> Johnny's story about the... seem really down. That one really got to him. Like I said, Tuesday's gone with the wind. No, the problem, with that, the problem with, with the that story hand. of paying for the pre-K is A, it won't go away in 10 years, and B... No. That's just, they can they can invent these programs ad infinitum. So you're mm-hmm. saying the taxes? There's would no be adults like a, in there's no adults in charge. There's no other. There's no contending voice. You could simply say train roll on. <laughs> Protests over. Well, and, and to, sorry to to dig deeper on that too. Who's to say that this won't be wrought with fraud like the Food for Families program was? Yeah. Well, with each increasing amount of money that gets thrown around, the probability of fraud increases exponentially. Don't you wish the Minneapolis paper would stay on the food fraud case as much as they are the uh, Amir Locke case? Protests over vaccine mandates and COVID-19 restrictions widened across Canada with truck blockades yesterday halting commercial traffic at critical border crossings, including the Ambassador Bridge into Detroit. That bridge was closed yesterday. 
Police in Windsor said the bridge reopened to U.S. bound traffic Tuesday morning, although it appeared to still be blocked to going in the other direction. Canada's border agency still listed the bridge as closed in both directions as of 9.25 our time. In Canada's capital, police have begun trying to cut off supplies to the trucker convoy, but have so far been unable to contain the demonstrations, prompting the city of Ottawa to declare a state of emergency. The protesters who have garnered global attention say they won't leave until all COVID health restrictions are dropped. Citizens in Ottawa have also taken to courts, winning a key legal battle yesterday when an Ontario Superior Court judge ordered a 10-day halt to the blast from truck horns that uh, people downtown saying is traumatizing them. The Canadian Prime Minister had largely been out of sight during the protest after testing positive for COVID a week ago. On Friday, he said calling in the military is not in the cards, but Prime Minister Trudeau's administration made it clear Monday it's not up to the federal government to police Ottawa, though they have begun to provide Royal Canadian Mounted Police resources to help deal with the unprecedented occupation of a large swath of the city's downtown core. I don't know what to think anymore. Uh, obviously, we've now known the government has, may, has been wrong on many aspects of this pandemic. And you know, what does Trudeau know that uh, these truckers don't know? They're, in other words, the truckers just as likely to know as much about what's going on as Trudeau. So uh, the government needs to get out of here. We, we, well, and we, if this is a case, too. we got to end this. this Let's is, end this. This is a case of him unwilling to, you know, he's standing his ground, basically. But instead of doing that, they're turning this around and... Calling them all basically to dumb it down, right wing nut jobs. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're turning it into a political thing when it's actually a freedom thing. Yeah, if you have a thought on COVID, it's contrary to the uh, narrative issued by the government, then you're just a trumper. Yeah, even though the narrative from the government has changed almost on times. a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like we've said before, things we couldn't talk about early on. Uh, in the epidemic are now discussed openly, right. where before it was behind closed doors and hush-hush, like the source of uh, the effectiveness of vaccines, the effectiveness of masks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Dr. Eric Lander, a top science advisor to President Biden, resigned last night. That resignation comes hours after the White House confirmed he had been investigated over a complaint that he mistreated staff. Politico reported on Sunday that an internal White House investigation found that Lander had bullied and demeaned his then general counsel, Rachel Wallace. Politico reported that a White House investigation had found credible evidence that Lander had spoken harshly and disrespectfully to colleagues in front of other colleagues. Did you read the quotes? I mean, that's kind of a gloss over uh, reading of what really went down. This guy would not have a job in the private sector. Oh, no. Yeah. From the things he said to his employees and his people. Absolutely. Was he hard on them? Oh, my God. He was outrageous mm. on them. Mm. You know, I can fire you, don't you? Mm-hmm. You want to go back, pal? Exactly. <laughs> the, na- the national no, art. Let's go upstairs. <laughs> right. The shorter walk. I have a better idea. <laughs> <laughs> The National Archives and Records Administration last month retrieved 15 boxes of documents and other items from former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence because the material should have been turned over to the agency when he left the White House, according to archives officials. The recovery of the boxes from Trump's Florida resort raises new concerns about his adherence to the Presidential Records Act, which requires the preservation of memos, letters, notes, emails, faxes, and other written communications related to a president's official duties. Uh, Trump advisors say there was no nefarious intent. Uh, They said uh, basically uh, when he did not want to accept defeat, they weren't packing things up. He said so they had to pack them up in a hurry and... uh, 
things got confusing. Archival officials confirmed the transfer, which occurred in mid-January. All of this comes on the heels of reports from former Trump staffers that the ex-president regularly tore up official notes and papers, and that they had to pick up the pieces and scotch-tape them back together. Jeez. A lot of those... A lot of those taped-up papers have made their way to the January. Be a hell of an attractive presidential Committee. library, won't it? Yeah, a kindergarten classroom. I'm picturing, a, I'm picturing the the dogs playing poker. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, next door to us, a story from our neighbors in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Been there many two, times. Two people are facing criminal charges after police found them having sex in a La Crosse parking ramp. Huh. Lacrosse police and fire departments called to the Market Square ramp at just after 10 p.m. Sunday. Call the fire after, department? Why do you call the fire department? Hey, hang on, I'll get there. Oh. After, after 41-year-old Jonelle Hill pulled the fire alarm oh. in the third floor stairwell. They arrived to find no fire. However, they did find Hill having sex with 42-year-old Joshua White Dog in the stairwell one level up. Hill told police they were, quote, Putting out the fire when asked what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> she, she admitted to pulling the fire alarm. He'll refuse to say. Why does it work when it's that cold? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's probably an unheated parking wrap. I, I just don't get why that's you where you're, That's where you're at? I'm thinking of the temperature, you know. Well, it, it, maybe they were just trying to warm up a little, Joe. Put that fire right. out, baby. <laughs> Put oh out the fire. God. You're fun. Mom, Dad, how did you guys meet? Well, we were at the uh, lacrosse parking ramp. Yeah. The two were both charged with lewd and lascivious behavior. Uh, Hill was also charged with felony bail jumping and intentionally giving a false alarm. Didn't that happen with a Vikings player a couple of years ago in a parking ramp stairwell? Uh I would hope so. Defensive back. Dwight Smith, that was his name. Dwight Smith. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Was Uh, it in the summer? What's that? Was it in the summer? It was during the season, if I'm not mistaken. Boy, uh, that that makes it really urgent, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. This is going to get done now. You cannot wait one more second. (laughs) I mean, right here, right now. It's like a, well... I'm not going to go down that I would, road. I don't want you to. It's trying to start <laughs> One of those things again. that you can't stop. <laughs> right. You, you yeah. know. In Kentucky. Like Cousin like, Eddie said, in Christmas vacation, you're better off letting them finish. Yeah. Yeah. Something like in, that. In Kentucky. Cousin Eddie. I know Cousin who Cousin Eddie, Eddie is. You've seen yeah. the movie. I have. Okay. I don't remember the context of that line. I don't either. So it had the, to do with his pet. Probably the dog. Yeah. Dog, his name was okay. Snot. Yeah. He was their pride <laughs> and joy. Yeah. You want me to stop speaking now? Oh, in yep. Kentucky, in Kentucky, <laughs> down south in Kentucky, yep. a car crashed and flipped outside of a Wendy's in the town of Nicholasville. Both the driver and passenger got out and claimed they were kidnapped by the other. Oh, what? Follow, following along? Yeah. Trying to. Yep. Officers called to the Wendy's on Main Street of Nicholasville around 2.30 p.m., Yesterday afternoon, police said the car is not registered to either person, but they don't believe the vehicle stolen either. Police say the car's passenger ran out with a gun in his hand and tossed it into the bushes. When the driver was able to get out, he claimed the passenger was kidnapping him and speeding up was the only way he thought he could get free. Okay. 
on Facebook, uh, somebody who saw this happen, Debbie Collins, said she was having a late lunch. She said, I think the scariest part was when I ran out to help a guy climb out of the mess with a gun in his hand, yelling, he's trying to kill me, while looking back at the car. He then took off running away from the scene. I went toward the car, but when I got almost to the open door, another guy crawled out and he had a gun. Everyone outside took off running. I went back inside and called the police. I'm thankful nobody was shot. Uh, police say they're very confused at this point, and they are continuing to investigate See, this what actually is Where happened. I turn it down and just start, Tuesday's gone. <laughs> listening to Skinner again. With a Yeah. <laughs> a Palm Bay woman, Palm Bay, Florida, arrested Sunday, accused of stabbing two people and pushing an elderly woman in a feud over leaf blowing. Oh, boy. 66-year-old Kyung Moulton is accused of stabbing two people who live across the street from her. According to the arrest affidavit, Moulton told Palm Bay police she came home Sunday afternoon and found a bunch of leaves on her front lawn. She assumed they'd been put there by the people across the street. So she pulled out her leaf blower, blew them back into their lawn, according to police. One of the victims told police he saw Moulton with the leaf blower and he and his mother went out to confront her. When the man's sister tried to intervene, he said Moulton slapped the sister and a struggle ensued. That's when she stabbed the sister in the leg with a steak knife. When the man tried to help his sister, he felt himself get stabbed with the same steak knife in the arm. I, I just uh, I just don't like the way things are going. Right. <laughs> things are. We seem to be devolving. Very do you disturbing. Like, do you like leaf blowers? I don't mind a leaf blower. I was informed a number of years ago um, by my roommate that she hates leaf blowers and the uh, sound of leaf blowers. Uh, really? At the time, I didn't own a leaf blower. Hmm. Now I own three. <laughs> that a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I have an electric one and a gas one. Yeah, same here. A battery-operated one and a gas one. Hmm. I had a battery-operated one. That ended up in the neighbor's yard. I just, seriously, it was so weak. It yeah. was like a popcorn fart. Yeah. It was awful. Did you just um, throw it? Yeah, I just toss it over the fence. Um, but the gas one is my favorite. Love the gas one. But I can't, I can't start it anymore. I can't well, uh, because of a rotator cuff problem. Why don't you? Oh, oh that's not good, that would have yeah. been a perfect uh, segue into a seafoam ad. Mm. Right. But I don't use seafoam in it anymore because I can't start it. Right, it's got a rotator cuff issue. Yeah. Toss it into uh, the neighbor's yard. No. A new study uh, finds lifting weights for as little as three seconds a day can have a positive impact on your muscle strength. In well, the hell, I can run. do that. Yeah, there you go. There Three seconds. Three workouts. seconds. That's Build about what it takes me. Some days, 10 seconds, yeah. but it's heavy. <laughs> Researchers in Australia and Japan found that performing a single bicep curl at maximum effort can lead to a 10% increase in muscle strength in just one month. Joe's practicing now. Look. Yeah. So is Kenny. That's not the correct motion, so but whatever Kenny. works for you, my friend. I have, weights. I have weights on my uh, workbench. You do, yeah. <laughs> A team from... Oh, no, uh, he's right. Pounders. He's right. And fellas, they're yeah. pink. One of them is. Pink one of them is green. Look, look, I got weights weights right there under the thing, see? No, because I can't see it. Oh, yeah, I can see it. showing it to Yeah, me. I can they're see right it. There. Uh, they're right uh, there. Yeah. All right. Nice. All right, boy. This is this this is devolved. It's yeah, just devolving. Just yeah. This, this is devolved into. Uh, I'm not sure what. Tuesday's gone. <laughs> Do you have the story, John? John, let's wrap this up. What already? Well, look at that yes. clock. Do you have the story of the Biden administration planning to fund the distribution of crack pipes to drug addicts? I, 
I do. I just pulled it actually. Well, let's hear what? you. Let's hear you. Let's hear you. What? Uh, yep. Oh, I, there's there's one other story I'd like to mention to you because I know this will drive you nuts. Right. Apple announcing today a new service that will allow U.S. businesses later this year to accept payments on their iPhones from touchless cards. Huh. So in other words, you just have to go. Boop, boop, we touch phones and I paid you. Yeah, I don't, I don't so, like that. My baby's gone. Here we go. Uh, President Biden's Health and Human Services Department is finalizing funding to dole out crack pipes to drug addicts as part of its harm reduction plan. The $30 million grant program, which accepted applications until Monday and will begin doling out money in May, intends to provide funds to nonprofits and local governments to make drug use safer, in their words, to advance racial equity this is complete insanity i'm working two jobs paying a bleep load of taxes and now i gotta buy somebody a crack pipe they're not that expensive are they chris 30 million dollars <laughs> worth <laughs> including the grant is money to buy safe smoking kits and supplies a spokesperson for this HHS. is from the, this is from the onion correct this is the the, the Biden administration is putting the babylon b out of business they are <laughs> Spokesperson for HHFs uh, told the Washington Free Beacon that included in the kits would be pipes for users to smoke uh, substances like crack cocaine and crystal methamphetamine or any illicit substance. Oh, why don't we buy them the crack, too? Well, believe me, that'll be coming. HHS said the kits will serve to limit the risk of infection because users smoke out of glass pipes usually, and that can lead to cuts and sores that become infected with diseases like hepatitis C. gross. Handing out pipes is also intended to prompt users to smoke rather than inject themselves with things like meth, injection being far riskier. Joe, what happened? Oh, I thought maybe he fell on the I floor. Think, you I think disappeared. the news. Uh, I just can't take the news. The news is getting to the old it, mayor it, this today. This is just pathetic. Just yeah. it's Ap- pathetic. Yeah. Applicants for the program get priority if they serve if they serve underserved communities like African Americans or Native Americans or LGBTQ. So uh, uh, riddle me this because the last time I checked, cra- crack is an illegal substance. Correct? Is that that's, still the case? That's correct. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. So is that changing then under this administration? No. So okay. are there any conservative crackheads that are up in arms because they're white and they can't get their hands on a crack pipe? That's a good point, Kenny. <laughs> I just don't understand what the hell More happening. equity in the crack community. In the name of racial equity? It's against federal law to distribute or sell drug paraphernalia unless well, authorized they- by the government. They did give needles, though, right? Many years ago, they handed out well, needles. Well, you know, that's a good point, Such. If you're dry, you get pulled over and you have a crack pipe visible, that's a search. You right. get searched. Hauled off to the hoose cow. Hunter Biden was a longtime user of crack. Yeah, did you see the, the deal about Hunter Biden and, well, and, the, here anyway. and the ATF and how they're not going to release any information about mm-hmm. him and his guns and mm-hmm. all this ne- nefarious nonsense? We're going to give away $30 million of your money to buy crack pipes because the LGBTQBTMBYZUDWWW community doesn't have equity. No. No, this will help. Uh, you got to get them a crack pipe. This will help uh, ease that, Joe. I got your crack pipe. Mm-hmm. Right here. Thanks, John. You know, but for well, I'm so Joe. I'm so gone now. I can't stand it. Well, Tuesday's <laughs> gone, Joe. But let me tell you about our friends at Everest Men's Health, shall I? Jailers, I have a couple of questions for you. Are you noticing a lack of energy? Maybe a decrease in strength or endurance, or 
Just the enjoyment of life. Well, here, listen to me when I tell you about my friends from Everest Men's Health. Because if you have that feeling of being exhausted after you eat, or you've lost your motivation, or maybe even have low libido, when your health suffers, oftentimes other areas of your life are going to suffer as well. But with Everest Men's Health, that all can change. From signs of low testosterone to other deficiencies, they examine every area important to a man's overall health, which allows them to develop an easy-to-follow plan that will ensure your success. And it doesn't matter where you fall in the spectrum of men's health, the time is now to come to Everest Men's Health and take the first steps towards realizing your best health possible. Everest uh, medical specialists, they look at the whole picture and they figure out what is causing the changes, starting with a full medical evaluation to check testosterone levels, important vitamin levels, blood levels, and body composition. And once they identify the deficiencies, such as low T or vitamin deficiencies, they create a personalized lifestyle program that can be included in your overall health. So go online right now, everestmenshealth.com, and call them to schedule your $50 testosterone test at any of their three locations in Woodbury, Plymouth, and now in Egan. And please let them know that you heard about it on the Garage Logic podcast. The 31st Annual 2022 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show returns to the Minneapolis Convention Center Friday, February 18th through Sunday, Feb 20. Grab your foursome. Get ready for your first round of 2022. See all that Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show has to offer, including great deals on drivers, irons, putters, and accessories. Nab great deals on the best golf apparel around. This is where I get my golf gloves every year. Take advantage of special offers from your favorite courses and destination golf resort vacations. While you're there, plus take lessons from the pros and be ready to own your golf game in 2022. And as an added bonus, yes, Garage Logic will broadcast live from 11:30 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Friday, Feb 18. Tickets are now on sale for just $12. Compliments of TwinCitiesGolf.com. Each ticket purchase includes 10 free greens free passes and three bonus passes if you purchase online. Find all show details at MinnesotaGolfShow.com. Presented by Choice Bank, your select Minnesota Buick, GMC dealers, Nelson Marine, and Second swing you cannot stop him he'll just make a move joe suchere so what i recommend when such uh, when you get your crack pipe in the mail from the president uh <laughs> maybe you roll up to maplegrovelockandsafe.com and pick up one of those small jobs you keep it right there in the shop next to your pink uh, barbells um uh liberty safe that's what we're talking about here the perfect gift for you or a loved one. Uh, it's the best safe ever made, uh, made right here in these United States of America, using materials only procured from these United States of America. And the great thing about Maple Grove Lock and Safe, I'm just going to lay it all on the line right now. It's Rich, the owner. He is absolutely fantastic. He's the owner, operator. He's the man. He's the one that's going to match you up with the safe that's going to keep your valuables uh, protected and safe in the event of doom and gloom. Uh, Liberty Safe and Maple Grove Lock and Safe, they have the unit to fit your needs, and Rich is the guy that's going to set you up. 6901 East Fish Lake Road in Maple Grove, and like I said, on the web, maplegrovelockandsafe.com. This this crack pipe story is, is sinful. Uh, it's not funny. This is another example of the left making people less than. It sure is. Keeping them addicted, keeping them poor, keeping them dependent on the government. We're going to provide you smoking kits, supplies, and crack pipes. 
because we don't give a bleep about you. We just how want you to this, continue to vote for us. How is this any different than when heroin was introduced to the United States in, what, the 20s or 30s, and you start giving away free samples the same way crack was introduced? You give away free samples, you get them addicted, then you keep them addicted, then you have a customer for life. How is this any different? The government handing out free supplies to keep these folks addicted. It's just under this preposterous that, rubric that, of equity. Mm -hmm. That's the most racist thing I've ever heard in my life. These and are mean-spirited people, man. And they're shouting out the fact that we're going to give it to minorities first. These are mean-spirited people. This is outrageous. This is an attack on the American people is what it is. It absolutely is. You know, it's... and we, we laughed at it, but then it occurred to us while we were talking off the air. John, are you? I was going to say, John, are you comfortable saying what you said when we weren't recording? Because I think it's what worth a, pointing what, out what, what the whataboutism game. No, that we were I'll playing. say it for John. And oh, uh, I see. Yeah. yeah. If you don't like it, send Reavers a, an, an email telling him how much I suck. Um, <laughs> can you imagine Trump doing this? Can you imagine oh, the would fallout? It would have been on. Trump. It would have been the headline on CNN for a week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. These people are despicable. They are mean-spirited, despicable people. They're handing crack pipes to addicts and patting themselves on the back saying, aren't we special? Yeah, it's we, just amazing. Wow. Wow. It's, it's turning people into less than, rather than say, I, I hope for your recovery, best of luck to you, you can, you can overcome this crack addiction. No, here's a new glass pipe for you. Or whatever kind of pipes they're going to be, corn need another cob, one? probably. You need another one. And by the way, that's the, the that's the lamest excuse too. When you hear from the likes of name your Democratic uh, elected politician, well, we have a homelessness problem because rent is too high. No, you have a homeless problem because these people are addicted. Okay, and, and so this now will we're... only expand the homelessness. Correct. Problem. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, we're going to get pushback on this. So let's just bring up free needles, the free needle program. I say this is different than the free needle program. Nobody's cutting their lip on a crack pipe and passing, what did they say they were passing around, John? Hepatitis C. Uh, hep C right? Give me a break. The, the needle program was to stop AIDS, which itself was an epidemic. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I, I have to continue to correct myself. Uh, Mayor, while I have the utmost respect and admiration for you in the podcast, I took offense when you called Nancy Pelosi an old sea biscuit, sea biscuit was one of the most beautiful and admired racehorses in history. A champion that defied odds and rose to the heights of greatness in spite of his small stature and not so favorable early upbringing. Besides, if you look at the picture, sea biscuit is more beautiful than that old hag from California. Love you guys, Doug the barber. Doug, you're absolutely right. What I meant to say was sea hag, and it came out biscuit. She's not sea biscuit. I she's, thought you meant whisker biscuit. She's an old sea hag. Euphoria or failed academy. Michigan Tech's winter carnival celebration has always had a competition for the Queen's coronation. There was no contest last year due to COVID. In 2020, they cor uh, coronated a queen who was male. He was later stripped of his title for a drinking violation. This year, the official title is Royal Majesty. B, she is wearing a mask during the coronation ceremony. Paying attention in Hancock, Michigan, Karen Cooper. Uh, she wants to know, is that euphoria or failed academy? It's both. Uh, yeah. All failed academies are in euphoria. Yeah, they are the same. Yeah. And only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mumpumalanga, South Africa, it was on this day. Feb 8. 
that Joseph A. Wheelock was born in Bridgetown, Nova Scotia. He moved to St. Paul in 1850. He became involved in the newspaper business, helping found the St. Paul Daily Press in 1861 and serving as editor of its successor, the St. Paul Pioneer Press, for 30 years. He would also be active in the development of St. Paul's parks and boulevards and... Wheelock Parkway is named in his honor. He died in 1906. Hmm. Hmm. It was on this day, February, in 1905, the Minnesota Federation of Colored Women's Clubs was organized in St. Paul. Popular at the turn of the century, women's clubs were reform and social welfare organizations. And it was on this day in 1916, representing the state of Minnesota, a statue of Trader and Sen- Trader with a D and uh, uh, Senator Henry M. Rice was unveiled in Statuary Hall in the nation's capital in Washington. Hmm. Wasn't a woman's club initially the cause of prohibition? I, I think that started with a bunch of sober gals, Good. cranky old sober gals. And finally, on this day in 1933. <laughs> What yeah, kind of old angry. sober gals would they be other than cranky? Right. <laughs> Very angry. In 1933, on this day, February 8th, two bandits robbed the Shenandoah Pharmacy on Chicago Avenue. 21-year-old Eddie Larson was shot by Minneapolis police officers Carl A. Johnson and C.E. Bettinger after he fires at them from behind a counter. And 19-year-old Francis Samier, who was rifling the cash register, is wounded by Johnson. Larson died shortly after arriving at General Hospital, and Samier, uh, Samler uh, later admits that he and Larson had committed several holdups earlier that evening. You don't hear the term bandits used any, no. any no. longer, bandits. So who died? Larson. Eddie Larson. Larson did. Uh, no. No. Mm-hmm. Old Eddie. Uh, well, who cares? It was right. a long time ago. It was 33. <laughs> yeah. you, you got thrown off your game after that uh, John Height news story. I wonder just... if there were protests that the police had to shoot the burglar. I, I doubt it. Such, uh train rolls on many mm-hmm. miles from your home. <laughs> You're riding your blues away, my friend. Mm-hmm. Tuesday's gone with the wind. Down at the station. The hop on a train... And ride to wherever it goes. Chris? What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of a Marshall Tucker. Sure are. Hey, GLers, as long as you're... Ride me a freight train, take it all the way to Georgia. Sad and disappointed. Hurts when I pee. Nope, I don't think that's a line. Hurts when I pee. Oh, that woman, she gave me VD. That's not in the lyrics. Could you do us a favor and uh, oh, head on over to the bother? Garage Logic YouTube page? And <laughs> if you feel like bothering anyway, uh, hit the subscribe button for us. And also visit the Garage Logic online closeout shop at garagelogic.com. And don't forget to download the PodMN app for your smart device where you have the chance to win prizes just by listening to us via the PodMN app. We'll try it again tomorrow. It is that time once again here in Garage Logic where we pick up that phone and we make that call to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold GLers. Now's the time to make the call for that free 48-minute financial consultation by doing just what I did. Call 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. When you call that number, you get Josh directly. And you also get straight talk and you're never going to get sugar-coated advice. And Josh is on the line with us once again here in Garage Logic. And Josh, today you would like to discuss cancel culture. Correct, 
Chris, a little bit of cancel culture. I just find it a little bit odd, quite frankly, all of this controversy in the media about media podcasters such as Joe Rogan, TV opinion people like Whoopi Goldberg, singers like Neil Young or Joni Mitchell wanting to seem to want to use their platforms to cancel voices or views that they disagree with. I find that a little bit absurd, particularly coming from one political bent that professes to want an open culture and an open society. I'm for as many ideas as I can get. I want that diversity of opinion. And I think you do too. The market is looking for the diversity of opinion. And that, quite frankly, is what makes stock or bonds go up and down. A diverse opinion about an outcome or a potential outcome of a business that's constantly evaluated on a daily basis. The brouhaha recently over this has led to companies such as Facebook having difficulty, in my estimation, sustaining a large audience and even growing, continuing to grow that audience. Facebook has, you know, switched its name from Facebook to Meta to focus on the metaverse, an alternative universe. Yet they still make the bulk of their money through their advertising platform. And their advertising platform has led to some issues, particularly given that many Facebook participants access Facebook through an iPhone and Apple's new operating system has allowed users to not opt out, but have to not opt in. That has hurt Facebook. Seeing Spotify losing subscribers, but trying to increase subscribers through podcasts such as Joe Rogan. That should be applauded, yet Spotify management has sought to mollify many of their employees who object to Joe Rogan. Hey, you don't have to listen to, to the guy. So in that sense, diversity of, a, of opinion to me is helpful in evaluating companies. It's something that you know I do in my research, both read people who are pro a company, negative on a, on a company, and make a decision based on that information, not to mention, of course, the information the company provides in terms of sales and earnings and the products that they use. Just a little different slant today in the news. Very good, Mr. Money Talk. You heard him, GLers. Now's the time to make that call for the free 48-minute financial consultation by calling 952-925-5608. Straight talk, never sugar-coated advice. Josh, as always, thank you so much for the time and the chat. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Thanks, Chris. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.